I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome into the Austin Audible's podcast, a post-game edition of the 106th Rose Bowl football game between the Oregon Ducks, the Wisconsin Badgers. And boy, Eric, this I, I told our intern Jared that uh, this game will go down barring championship game being an insane game. The best for the second best college football game of the year, in my opinion. Oregon wins 28-27 in thrilling fashion. Here's a question to start. We did our top games of the decade. I guess technically this game is played in another decade, but I'm going to include it because it's part okay. of the 2019 season. But would you say this now, was, would this maybe edge out the previous Rose Bowl wins? As the game? I mean, just in terms of the excitement level, they come from behind, they score with 7.40 to go, they have to hold off Wisconsin a couple times. They're outgained. I mean, they, I mean, the stats are very, very favorable in terms of Wisconsin, yet Oregon is the one that wins by one point, 28-27. Uh, I don't know. Is this the best game of, of the 2010s, would you say, or do you, would you still kind of lean towards 2014? I would still go to 2014 Rose Bowl just because the significance of it. Right. But this is right behind it. This has to be right behind it. I mean, Oregon... Comes out and marches down the field, 12 plays, 75 yards, scores a touchdown on the first drive of the game. Justin Herbert, four yards out. Looks like this looks like Oregon's offense is unstoppable. And then they basically could not move the football for the next three and a half quarters. Basically the rest of the game, if we're being honest. That was the only sustained drive of the entire game. I mean, the other three touchdowns they scored, um, one comes off a Wisconsin turnover, another is a uh, heck of a play by Brady Bruce, so I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot on this podcast, but uh, he, he scores a touchdown. And then the last touchdown is another touchdown off a turnover. I mean, Oregon didn't have a sustained – I don't think they had a drive of more than 50 yards after that first drive of the entire game. They might have had a drive of more than 40 yards. 40 yards. Their, their longest drive of the game after their first drive was the one that sealed it. Seven plays, 38 yards, the ending uh, with the ball kneeling at the Stanford 19 uh, – excuse me, the Washington, Wisconsin 19. Whoever they played. Whoever they played. The Wisconsin 19-yard line to, to seal the victory. Yeah. Uh, you're right, though. You know, one play interception. Uh, it was Three ugly. plays, four yards, punt. Four plays, negative three yards, punt. Uh, three plays, two yards, punt. Four plays, nine yards, loss of down. Uh, they do score a touchdown on, on the, their third drive of the second quarter. Three plays, 33 yards, and a touchdown – Five-yard run from Justin Herbert, his second of the game. One play, negative five yards, kneeling at the half uh, just after they gave up a touchdown. Uh, Brady Breeze returns a muff punt, I guess is how we're going to describe it, yeah. for a touchdown. It, it, not even muff, like just a mishandled – the punt never even – like the punter didn't even kick the ball. And then three plays, seven yards, punt. Six plays, 25 yards, punt. And then Oregon got a turnover. I mean, it's, it's eerily similar yeah. to 2012's Rose Bowl game between the Ducks and the Badgers because Wisconsin has the ball. They have the lead. All they got to do is run the clock, milk the ball, and they're going to win. Yet they fumble. Oregon recovers at the Stanford 30-yard – or Wisconsin 30-yard line. And first play, Justin Herbert, maybe the play of his career. Yeah. yeah. Runs, Let's go with that. Runs away from the Wisconsin defense – 
for the game-winning touchdown. Uh, and then, you know, they had two more possessions. The second, you know, both trying to run the clock out. The second uh, ending with the game uh, as a victory. And Oregon is your Pac-12 champion. They're your Rose Bowl champion. And they're probably going to be... Uh, top five team in the final rankings going into next season. We're, we, there's now been about 40 minutes since the conclusion of this game. We went and did all the post-game interview stuff. I wonder for you, Matt, I, I'm still sort of stunned at that, or- that Oregon is victorious in this game because you run down the numbers here and it, like very little things went in Oregon's favor oh, yeah. besides the turnovers. I mean, Wisconsin had the ball for 38 out of 60 minutes. They had 80 plays to 54 for Oregon. They gained 322 yards. Oregon gained 204 yards the entire game. Um, and yet, again, Oregon... Four turnovers. Yeah, it was the four turnovers. You know, And, and uh, it, it was a game where, uh, you're, you're right, they start off with that awesome first drive and um, this is a game where yeah, Marcus Oro's last game as offensive coordinator kind of encapsulate what was so frustrating at times with his tenure at Oregon where when there was that first drive that was scripted, the offense looked awesome. I mean, they drove the ball right down the field, and I think we were all kind of like, wow, maybe they're going to score a bunch of points. But, there, again, you look at the drive chart, there wasn't another sustained drive of more than 38 yards the entire rest of the game. The rest of the points come off of turnovers and short fields. Um you come away frustrated with it, but at the end at the end of the day, I think you go, hey, what a way for Justin Herbert to finish his career. He wasn't great throwing the ball. He was just 14 for 20 for 138 yards, no passing touchdowns, had one interception, but three running touchdowns, and the way he accomplished that where he was stiff-arming people, he was running by people, he was fired up. Um, I think, he saw the emotion we've never seen from yeah, Herbert. You, you, I think this has to go out. You know, Again, the stats won't back it up, and if you look at this game three years from now, you look at the stats and go, like, Herbert played a crappy game. Why was he the MVP? But just, I, I think you saw all of the things about Justin Herbert that you remember fondly from his career in terms of the way he led this team down the stretch um, and the way when they were backed up against their wall, like they were kind of their whole careers. You know, you look, just, you know, kind of encapsulates the whole thing. They figured it out. 30-yard touchdown with seven minutes to go, and uh, and the defense was able to do enough, and Oregon squeaks out a 28-27 win, and boy, uh, what a special season this uh, became, and, and this win here, again, what, what a capitalization for, for the season here to, to win this one. Cool caveat with this football game today is so much has been made about recruiting and recruiting Southern California, mm-hmm. recruiting across the country, and going out and finding four-star and five-star recruits, and yes, that is a game-changer. That is the difference in teams competing for conference championships and winning national championships and being in the playoff opposed to being eight and four, is you have to recruit elite players. And so much has has been made about that. And yet, in this football game today in the Rose Bowl, Oregon scored four touchdowns. Mm -hmm. All four of those touchdowns came from players that reside in the state of Oregon for their prep high school football. Brady Bree scored one. He played his prep football two years in Medford, two years up in Portland at Central Catholic. He was a four-star recruit. He wasn't even the top 247, though. He was 288. Uh, and then there's Justin Herbert. He scored three touchdowns. And you find him on this list of where he ranks in uh, Oregon's 2016 recruiting class. He's, he's at the bottom. He's near the bottom. Mm-hmm. He was a three-star recruit. And I think that's just so <laughs> cool from... You and I are Oregonians, and yeah. the perspective of so much of this team is is built out of players coming from other states, and yet, and I'm not trying to diminish the impact those guys had, but sure. the points were scored by Oregonians. That's pretty cool. It's really cool, and and I think a really cool comment by uh, just kind of shows how much this means to a guy like Brady Breeze that he 
we should mention in the press conference, he was asked one question, and then he spoke for I'm not, probably two and a half straight minutes. But he, he said that, you know, when he was running that touchdown in off of the, uh, the, the, the mistake on the punt, that he was thinking of Tony Washington and how he was racing down the center of the field against Florida State. And he looked up after he got in the end zone, and he was a little emotional when he said this. And he said he looked up, and he looked in the stands, and he saw where he, he and his dad and his brothers and his family had been sitting watching this game about five years ago when, when Washington scored. Then, of course, if you're running down iconic plays of the decade, I think that Tony Washington touchdown probably is at the top or very close to the top of, in terms of just plays that you'll, you'll remember from this, this decade for the Ducks. But um, really, really cool to see those two guys have games like this in moments like this. And, again, representatives from the state of Oregon. And, you know, you look at this year's recruiting class and um, – you know, there aren't a lot of players from the state of Oregon in it. You know, I think there are, I guess there are zero players at this point um, in 2020. And, and, you know, going forward, there's a couple guys committed. But uh, it's not all that often anymore with the way Oregon's recruiting that these in-state kids are playing critical roles and stuff. And, and to see these guys again, yeah, you're right, score all four touchdowns from in-state kids, that's a really cool wrinkle of this. And I think something that can't be overlooked. And certainly, you know, for those listening, you'll, you'll read the stories on the website and you'll see the video as well something that was talked about a lot in post game of just like how cool is it that uh, that it was a couple of kids from from the state of Oregon not kids from LA or kids from Texas or Florida Oregon has had so much success recruiting um, that played such pivotal roles and and again a a humongous victory and again I think one we can talk a little bit about this but one that kind of sets Oregon up for a lot of momentum going into the next decade yeah Pete Thamel uh, tweeted out of Yahoo Sports tonight that Oregon is going to be the favorite in the Pac-12 for the foreseeable future. and mm-hmm. uh, I think it starts next year. With Micah Pittman told me in the locker room that this is the, <laughs> this is a huge step in the program, uh, but they have bigger aspirations than this. And that he said, you know, the natural progression is next year that they're competing for the college football playoff and playing in that, in that venue yeah. and, and competing for a national championship. He said that is what's next for this program. Uh, and so much you said, you just said it right, of, the seniors are, are leaving in this team, uh, in this program, in hands where it's better than when they they showed up when they went through the four and eight season in 2016. Uh, basically, every younger class uh, underclassman on this team spoke extremely high of Oregon seniors and the culture that they set and the standard that they set. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau said he owes everything to Lamar Winston, a guy that two years ago was a starter for Oregon's defense. Last year was a guy, when this season was over, we were talking, hey, Lamar Winston, he could be a, you know, an all-Pac-12 caliber guy. Yeah. And Kayvon Thibodeau shows up, a couple other guys show up, Mace Funa being one, and Lamar Winston's role diminishes significantly. And yet the freshman is saying he wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Lamar Winston and the, and the impact that he had on his time. Uh, Penny Sewell was to the point where he could no longer talk to me post game when I brought up the seniors because he became too emotional. He could not stop crying of the impact that these guys have had. And I think that's the thing going away of walking away from this this game this season is that these seniors have put so much into it that and everyone has their own seniors that you know gotta win for the senior yeah yeah. yeah. But they showed up when the expectation was you need to win a national championship. You need to compete for a national championship. Conference championships are expected. And for their first three or four years, that wasn't the case. And yet they're leaving it going back through hell and back. You know, and I think one thing, you know, Mario Cristobal owes a ton to the senior class in terms of, like, I don't know. 100%. They signed that petition, and the guys that were leading that were the Shane Lemieux, the Calvin Throckmortons, the Jake Hansons, the Brady Aiello's, 
uh, this senior class of offensive linemen and guys on the other side of the ball who are also veterans, you know, Troy Dye and Drayton Carlberg and, and some of those guys. But he owes a, he's indebted, I think, to this senior class a lot. And you can see that today with just how he was answering questions in postgame. And, uh, this class doesn't have a ton of guys in it in terms of you look at the numbers on the roster. Oregon actually doesn't lose that many scholarship seniors in this class. But I think it's a group that was so integral to this team's like kind of mental makeup and focus because again they kind of went from hell and back in terms of like we said it a number of times this podcast but four wins you know their first season and here they are now uh, as Rose Bowl champions twelve wins and again the the bar is going to have to be moved up again I mean the progression here each season you know over the last three is they've won more games than the, the yep. year before four, four yeah four years now I guess but four wins seven wins or maybe I guess eight wins nine wins now twelve wins. The progression next year is, is an improvement on that, and the only way to do that probably is what Michael Pittman's talking about, is, is taking this program to the college football playoff where maybe they win 13 or 14 games. Uh, Rob Mosley, the editor-in-chief of GoDucks.com, was in the locker room uh, for when we were not allowed in there. Crystal Ball walked in, and to your point of Crystal Ball's kind of indebted into this senior class, here's what Crystal Ball said in the postgame locker room to the team. Uh, quote, I cannot put into words the gratitude for your effort, your resiliency, your commitment. You have changed the culture. You have reset a program. I love you guys. Thank you. Yeah. That puts it perfectly for where this senior class is at and what they've set this program up to be moving forward. Let's talk about that real quick yeah. um, before we wrap up the this postgame edition. Uh, a lot to look forward to in terms of offseason uh, developments. It's going to be a significantly different team. Yep. Troy Dye is gone. Justin Herbert is gone. Four of your five starting offensive linemen are gone, three of which are four-year starters. Lamar Winston is gone. Jacob Breland is gone. Uh, you've got a couple seniors in Drayton Kralberg, uh, Gary Baker, Gus Cumberlander, uh, Gus Cumberlander on the, Bryson Young. You know, yep. Up front, your front seven is going to look drastically different. Uh, we're also going to have to wonder what happens with Thomas Graham, what happens with Diomedé Lenore, what happens with Jordan Scott, three juniors, uh, Austin Folio, yeah, fourth. Mm-hmm. Uh, all on the defensive side of the football, all starters that have submitted NFL draft advisory paperwork. They have all been told to come back to school, but that doesn't mean necessarily guys come back to school. Do all four of them come? Do all four of them go? Does, what's the combination of coming and going with that group? Uh, what's the status of Jalen Red? I don't know if we know about that. We should mention that, yeah. Um, Didn't play because of personal reasons. Personal reasons. and wasn't even with the team today, so don't know what that means. Uh, but So it's going to look entirely different, and it could look even more different if some of these juniors leave. But I think the foundation is in place for this team to be ranked inside the top ten, and probably realistically because they're Rose Bowl champions, because they're still bringing back a, an All-American in Penne Sewell, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be an All-American, Javon Holland is going to be an All-American, uh, Johnny Johnson is a bona fide starting receiver now. Uh, you've got C.J. Verdell. C.J. Verdell, who's rushed for 2,000 yards in his career in his first two seasons. Uh, you are going to have a group of guys, Brady Breeze and Pickett are both back for Oregon next season. You're going to have a core nucleus that's going to be enough, combined with the success on the recruiting trail the last two or three seasons. This is going to be a top-10 team, and honestly... I don't. I wouldn't put them there, but it's not going to shock me one bit. Preseason rankings come out; they're number five, they're number four in the country. Uh, expectation now, I, even with all this changes, I think is college football playoff next season. Uh, discussion: Should they make it? I don't know. Uh, they're not a lock. They shouldn't be no. viewed as a team that's. No, there's too much, too many questions. Yeah, they shouldn't be viewed as a, two, a 2014 team where it was. If they don't make it, it's a disappointment. But the idea is, in my mind. 
you get to the college football playoff. That's your next progression. You have the talent to get there. And you're going to learn a ton about this team in the first two weeks of the season because they open with home games with North Dakota State, who's one of the best FCS teams in the country. And then the real test is Ohio State, um, which, by the way, like what a, what a cool opportunity to have a game against a, t- a program like that, one of the premier programs nationally uh, in the city of Eugene at Autzen Stadium, um, second week of the season. But, again, that is going to be a game where – Regardless of whoever the quarterback is, you're going to be tested so much there. And you're going to learn a ton. And we look at the what Ohio State loses. I don't have it all pulled up in front of me, but Matt and I were talking about this a couple of days ago when, when J.K. Dobbins announced he was going pro, the running yep. back. Ohio State's going to lose a ton of that team, a lot of talented players. And, you know, they're recruiting at such a high level that you know they're going to be improved. But that's going to be a game that is going to be a real barometer for that team in that season. And if they come out and can compete and maybe win that football game, the college football playoff is going to be something that is going to start really amping up early. Now, if they come out and they struggle and they lose that game, maybe they don't play very well, they lose by a lot, that's going to be a thing where maybe your kind of your perception changes a little bit. But either way, I'm with you. I think it's going to be an offseason where the discussion is that Oregon is clearly the team in the Pac-12 to be, clearly the premier program out west, and it's going to be can they beat Ohio State, and then can they kind of, you know, maybe only – I guess they probably have one game margin of error probably next year in conference play. If they lose one game – they'll probably still be able to make it if they can beat Ohio State. I think it's going to be a tall task. I'm not sure. I think next year's quite the year. It might be the year after. But um, either way, you're right. I think the, the, this win here, the trajectory is is going up. There's no question about it. And it starts next season. And, I, again, I do think there's a chance that they can be in the discussion, but they're going to have to prove it early on with that Ohio State game. Real quick, let's just look at the broad season. Yeah. 2019 season. Uh, they are 13-2. and two. Or 12 and 2, excuse me. Correct. 12 and 2 on the season. Pac 12 champions, Pac 12 North. Didn't lose to a single team in the, North. In the Pac 12 North. Yep. Uh, they are the Rose Bowl champions. They have a unanimous All American in Penny Sewell, uh, Campbell Trophy <coughs> Award winner in Justin Herbert, which is the academic Heisman. Uh, they've got multiple all conference players. How do you look at this season as a whole? Is it exceeding expectations? Yes. Is, it, is it where they should be? It's exceeding. 100%. And I posed this question on Twitter. I think this is the second best season just in its totality of the decade behind the year they played. Well, I guess, I guess they're right. It's a third because they didn't they play in the national championship in 2000 and, no, it was the 2009 season? Just 2010. Right. Either way, it's one of the, it's one of the top seasons this decade and it's one of the top seasons this century and honestly probably ever. You just kind of run through what they've done this year and the strides they've made, uh, and again, the position that they're set them up, yeah, this exceeded expectations. You know, I think every season when you're going through and we're making our predictions, you're saying, okay, well, they'll win 10 or 11 games, and you know, and, and that's the expectation. And I think we all, we both predicted that. I think there was a certain level of kind of skepticism of whether they could actually do it. You know, you looked at the way last season played out, and they were terrible on the road, and they were a team that didn't always win the game when you know it mattered most. They kind of coughed up that game with Stanford, and they didn't perform particularly well against Michigan State. And yet the way this year played out, I think they answered all those calls. There wasn't a game all season that they were outmanned in, and the two games they lost, they lost you know, in the last couple moments, and they won a bunch of big games at the very end against really good teams, against, against Washington, against Washington State. Um, this game right here, the game of the season for Oregon, that's a really good Wisconsin team. That's a team that can compete with anyone in the country, and Oregon went toe-to-toe with them and took all the shots, and again, I'm, I'm still somewhat stunned that they were able to pull it out, but I probably shouldn't be because that's kind of what this team's MO was um, all season. I know some people harp on the Arizona State loss and the Auburn loss, but 
this is a team that, that, that figured out when they needed to most, and I guess we shouldn't be surprised that with the game on the line late, they, the defense made a play, and, and Justin Herbert found a way to get in the end zone to win this game. This is exceeding expectations in my book for this season's scope because Oregon wins all of their big games uh, outside of the Auburn football game. Um, they win the Rose Bowl in and of itself is huge. Program-defining, uh, I think it drastically changes the perception uh, of this Oregon program itself. Uh, where they are now back among the elites. It also changes, I think, the perception of Mario Cristobal uh, and this coaching staff. I mean, so much has been said by the other teams in this league that Cristobal is just a recruiter. He's not a developer. He's not a good in-game coach. Right. We've seen the development of Penesul. We've seen the development of other players on both sides of the football, Brady Breeze. Uh, we've also now seen Oregon's team uh, and their coaching staff make some adjustments it took a long time for that adjustment <laughs> to happen today. The entire season. <laughs> but Justin Herbert's running uh, is something that Oregon did not do most of the season. And it proved to be uh, the reason why they won the football game. And now uh, I, I, I look at you know the perception of crystal balls drastically different. And everything is, is progressing in a way uh, where it's exceeding expectations. So uh, that's going to do it for us here on a post-game Austin Audible's podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Adios, amigos. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.